this week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Zia and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. Jay, this week we are back with another requested review from one of our patrons. He gets three a year, thanks to contractual obligations. I'm talking about Mr. Gavin Reed. This is his first pick of 2020. I hope uh, Gavin's doing okay. He, he's in Australia. I did chat with him. His area is okay. Okay. Because it seemed to be a lot of the coast, and I know he lives near the coast, right? Yep. I think on it. Uh, but not in that particular area. Our good friend down there, and we have uh, a number of listeners and friends that, that are down in that area, and we're wishing them all the best uh, through this terrible uh, ordeal that Australia is going through. Shockingly, in this tar- in this in this case, he did not pick an Australian band, Jay. Okay. So it's a UK band that Gavin selected, and they're called Bandit Queen. I'm going to go out on a limb, Jay, and say you had not heard of Bandit Queen. No. Between the band name and the album cover, you you don't know what you're getting into. I mean, you just nope. have no idea. It couldn't be more obscure. So the the band is Bandit Queen. Their album is called Hormone Hotel. Yeah, the album title doesn't help you anymore. Nope. Help you <laughs> this could have been this could have been industrial. Yeah. This could have been a quiet singer songwriter. Yeah. It could have been anything. We had no idea what was going into this record. So, how about a little history of the band? Let's do it. Let's play do the it. jingle. History of the band. Uh, Bandit Queen were a three-piece from Manchester, England. They formed in 1992, and they broke up in 1998. They were made up of the members of a band called Swirl, which had existed prior to this. Okay. Um, Tracy Godding is on vocals and guitar. Uh, also a, a journalist. And then um, Janet Wollstenholm on bass and guitar, or on bass guitar, also sang, um, and then David Gailey on drums. And they, the name was inspired by a member of the Indian Parliament named uh, Fulan Devi, whose nickname was the Bandit Queen, because when they were younger, I guess they were actually a bandit. But then they actually, then, then later in life, they got. Elected to Parliament. What do you mean they were a bandit? They 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 were like in a gang. Uh, I'll read what it says. Born into a. I guess I have to look up what that term even means. Okay. I don't like like know the contemporary definition of. What Listen to this. I'll read this from uh, from uh, uh, Wikipedia. Born into a poor family in rural Uttar Pradesh, Fulan endured poverty, child marriage, and had an abusive marriage before taking to a life of crime. Having developed major differences with her parents and her husband alike, the teenage Fulan sought escape by running away and joining a gang of bandits. She was the only (laughs) woman in that gang, and her relationship with one gang member 
coupled with the caste difference, caused a gunfight between gang members. Holy shit. Fulan's lover was killed in that gunfight. The victorious rival faction, who were the Rajputs, took Fulan, who was to their village, uh, who was their village, um, Bame, confined her in a room. uh, I don't want to get into it. Just bad stuff happened. Let's just put it that way. Um, Later rejoined the factions of her uh, lover's gang, um, and she continued with her banditry. Months later, her new gang descended upon the village that had killed her lover, and they exacted revenge. Um, twenty uh, as many as twenty two men were shot by Fulan's gang. She escaped to capture capture for two years, and oh my God. she was charged in uh in nineteen eighty three with forty eight crimes, including multiple murders, plunder, arson, and kidnapping for ransom. She spent the next eleven years in jail. Uh, various charges were tried in court in nineteen eighty four. The state government, headed by um, I can't pronounce the name, uh, withdrew all the charges against her, and she was released. She then stood for election to parliament as the candidate for the. I can't say that word either. I, these are two long words that I don't know how to say. Um, she was elected twice. As um. And, and sadly, she was sh- in 2001, she was shot dead at the gates of her official bungalow by former rival bandits, bandits whose kinsmen had been slaughtered by her gang in the years before. And there's a movie called Bandit Queen. I see that. Loosely yeah. based on her life. Wow. Which it sh- there should be a, a, a movie because that's amazing uh, life. That's sad. I like that you sad la- ending, labeled but... uh, her official bungalow, not to be confused with the unofficial bungalow. Well, there's you got to be clear of that. <laughs> anyway, let's get back to the to the album review. Are you, are you currently are you recording from your official bungalow? I am. Okay, good. So the the band Bandit Queen released because <laughs> you know you're contractually obligated to do that. I know I am. <laughs> All right, I'm done. Go ahead. We'll talk about my banditry later. <laughs> um, That's re- a good band name, banditry. Banditry. Uh, they released an EP in 1993 called Dirt and Soul EP. The single Scorch was released in 1984. Queen Bee in 1994. Miss Dandies in 1994. Give It to the Dog in 1995. Now, here's where it gets confusing. Wikipedia says the album was released on Playtime in 1994. If you go to Discogs... All their releases for all all territories are 1995. If you go to Amazon, mm-hmm. they list the album as 1996. <laughs> so yeah. I'm splitting the difference, and I'm saying 1995 because yeah. it's right in the middle of all that. My goodness. Also, Amazon has place? the 12-track version of the album, whereas uh, Wikipedia doesn't list the tracks, and Discogs has like eight different versions of the record with multiple different um, track listings. Based on whether an untitled track was listed, the vinyl version has one less track, has 12 instead of 13. Four, so there's a, between 12 and 14 tracks on this, depending on where you got it from, what country. And uh, I was not familiar with the label Playtime. Me neither. But apparently they were an um, independent label out of Manchester. Um, mm-hmm. They released a lot of dance music. Um like in spiral carpets, you know, like not yep. dance, but like the Manchester yeah. dance. 
yep. new fast automatic daffodils is another one that they okay. released. That sounds made up. The Rain Kings Swirl, which was this band. The members of this band uh, were previously in Swirl, gotcha. um, and a lot of bands that were probably gonna get to. You know, we might get to sure. eventually. Molly Half Dead, TC Hug. We uh, might do a whole roundtable on play playtime. Records. Honey Tongue, the Blue Orchids. You know, a lot of things going out of there. It was released on Mammoth in the U.S. They broke up, like I said, in 98. But there's also an album released, according to Wikipedia, in 2010 called Pat All Capital. I don't know what that deal, what the deal is because um, it is not listed on Discogs. Mm. And all their singles and whatnot are. And it's not listed on Spotify. And I don't think, I don't, did you see anything on Apple Music? Of another album because I didn't. No, this is the only album. So I don't know where that Wikipedia information comes comes from, but that's according to the wiki. So we got some comments over on Patreon, as well as the votes for our worthy album, better EP, decent single, which we'll get to at the end of the show. So Gavin, our suggester, said Bandit Queen, our youth radio station JJJ, the Triple J, picked up the song Estrogen and loved it. And I loved it. Here among the raft of ho-hum power pop on the radio was something singing with a real energy, or someone singing with a real energy. I knew nothing about them, but bought the album. It rocks hard, always has intent, and came from nowhere. Then promptly just vanished. Never to be heard from again. I'd love to have heard a follow-up, but at least I learned who Frida Kahlo was. Steve Musinski said, this album has an immediacy to it. I knew I liked it right away. What a pleasant surprise, as I knew absolutely nothing about it beforehand. It reminded me a lot of the Jen Trinan record you, you all mm. reviewed, which I think was also a 95 release. Yeah, I like this way better for some reason. I've listened to it three times now, and it gets better with every listen. Anxious to hear the review. Well, Stephen, if you're listening to this right now, either live or the recording... You're going to hear our review. Yep, you're going to hear it. <laughs> okay. That's why we're here. I'm just pausing for dramatic effect. Yeah, it was good. All right, Jay, let's get into it. Yes. Tell me one thing you liked about Hormone Hotel by Bandit Queen. Hmm. I think it hits a spot of um, kind of a little bit brooding, but very melodic. Um, I like. I like the singer a lot. She's able to convey a lot of different like emotions and voices and you know the material is um you know somewhat varied. I mean they know their sweet spot for the most part, but she can do a ballad, she can do a rocker, she can bring some attitude, she can be like even like more relaxed and kind of restrained, which is sometimes nice in some of these songs. So I think vocally, you know, it's it's really, really well done. Um, she she really keeps me interested in a lot of the record. They do a lot of nice harmonies. There's a mm-hmm. the things as well, and they'll do some almost duetty kind of things. You know, sp- it's sprinkled in here and there. It's not like a mainstay for every song. It's kind of you know maybe three four songs. They kind of feature it and it comes in and out, but it's, it's pretty effective. 
Um, there's also some pretty good background vocal hooks, you know, just little bits and parts and, you know, sing-alongs or accents that are nice. So to me, that's what keeps the record, you know, gives a character, gives a consistency, it keeps it interesting for, for the full 44 minutes. Um, from a music standpoint, you know, they keep it pretty honest. This, this sounds like a three-piece with some uh, like a band. There's some some interesting like angular bits and pieces here and there that, that keep it um, from being just pedestrian kind of, you know, alternative rock. Um, and I, I like how they interject that. It's a little unexpected when those parts come in. Um, there's even some little percussive parts that are like that where it's like they'll use like a cowbell or something like kind of sharp or they'll have like a subtle little drum loop section or, you know, just shake things up from a drums perspective. So there's a nice, you know, a little bit of variety and surprise musically uh, here and there, which, um, you know, kind of together with that vocal consistency from um, just a quality standpoint to me is, is kind of what makes the, the record all come together and work. What are your, what are your, your thoughts? Well, I'll agree with you on the, I like the production and I like the sound of this record in that it's very straightforward. Mm-hmm. But they throw a little, like you mentioned, they throw a little thing here and there, like whether it's a little drum loop or a little guitar part. And it, I think what that really does, by keeping everything very simple, it really helps you focus in on the vocal because there's some really cool harmonies that reminded me of when uh, Ruka Salt would do that with, uh, oh, yeah. you know, their harmonies. On a song like "Big Sugar Emotional Thing," there that when they go to that chorus in that song, man, that sounded like a Vruca Salt harmony chorus. There's a, there's a couple spots, like four or five spots where they do that, where there's like really nice harmonies between, um, I guess it's Janet and Tracy, or there are the two singing there. And I really like that. I mean, I, I think that that just provides such a unique sound that so few bands were able to pull off, you know, not having two female singers for one thing, but then also utilizing them that way. Um, and I like that there's... You know, I I think listening to this, I don't know what Swirl sounded like, but this seemed to be very influenced by American indie rock. Because when I was listening to this, I was hearing like Throwing Muses and the yeah. and the Breeders and even like stuff like the Pretenders. And oh, yeah. you know, there's just this like straight ahead alt rock, even just straight guitar rock aspect to this that it always stayed edgy with with it being a little more distorted and um 
a little bit more um, up tempo than maybe you would think with regards to a band that, like, like I said, I think Sproul was more in the shoegazious end of things. So um, hearing this, and I might be completely wrong, I might be mixing up with a different swirl, uh, but that, that name lends itself to uh, more of a dream pop shoegaze sound. Uh, ju- this just had a lot of really nice little short, you know, three minute, three and a half minute long rockers that they always kept a hook, you know, present in the song. And it, it sound it, it, this band to me would have, you know, paired well on any sort of college radio station that was playing throwing muses or the breeders or, you know, similar bands, Vrukasol, Vrukasol, maybe on the first record, by the second record, they're, they're pretty polished. Where I don't, I don't think that this is necessarily like super polished, even though it's a very clean sounding record. There's still like an edginess to parts of it yeah. that I like. It doesn't sound overproduced. It just sells sounds well crafted. Right. Does that make sense? Like, yep. They spent time working these songs out, getting them sharp, playing them sounds like a band that was probably ready when they got in the studio to get this record done like but not overly produced from a you know layers and effects and ideas standpoint um i like the i think you say kind of like the american band references because i don't know this might be a stretch but some of the heavier parts of the record where it gets that fuzzy big tone kind of remind me of um blur uh, song two, like that kind of like approaching that wall of fuzz. And that was, wasn't that kind of a response to like American. Alternative oh yeah. Rock, yeah, definitely. Which is interesting. Cause that, that was, that was the, they don't sound like that song, but you know, you know what I mean? Just like sonically, right. like what that sounds like, you know, they get in that space with some of these, the bigger sounding choruses. And it just made me think of that of like, Oh, that's kind of like that you know, big fuzzy bass, but bass fuzz with like a Fender guitar overdriven over top to kind of give that big, soft, loud dynamic. Um, and then, yeah, I had a lot of other American bands, the same as you, like Pretenders and even like obscure stuff like New York Loose and Scarce. And I even heard like Black, Blue Black reminded me a little bit of like R.E.M. or Cracker, like it has a twang to it and a little bit of a hmm. more relaxed kind of there's a duet in it you know it has a bit of a different flair that sounds to me a little bit more like american or southern That reminded me of like stuff like the Sundays, okay. You know, like that sort of mellow, which definitely drew some, you know, 
influence from you know slower american yep. pop but uh i i don't want it to sound like this band was just trying to make an american alternative rock no, 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 stuff no. like nailbiter reminded me of like pj harvey on her more yeah. aggressive sounding stuff and there was stuff that reminded me of the of the pop of like elastica cuz that's around this time as well 94 95 but it's just a little bit more guitar edgy as opposed to, you know, Glastica, I think of them as having a really pop vocal. And it, this doesn't quite get there with that pop vocal the way the Elastica did. This is this has still got a, um, you know, like Scorch is a good example, the opening track. That's that's still a pretty just guitar raw rockin' song that yeah. Elastica would not do. It, it reminded me way more of like... Of throwing muses, or you know, in that vein. But even harder than them, in some respects. Yeah. yeah. So it's it was nice to hear that there was this, you know, it's a three-piece, and they pull off a lot of sounds. I mean, it sounds pretty true to a three-piece. You, yeah. you don't get a lot of layered guitar stuff going on, and it's really the about the vocal and, and you know, the song structures being pretty tight. Yeah. And, so, and, I, and I, I respond to that. Uh, there's just like a when it done when it's done well, you get that simplicity, which connects with you. But then to make it really work well, there is enough craft there and variety to keep it, you know, keep you compelled through the whole thing and keep you engaged. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm a big fan of when three pieces can do this. You know, I think there's probably some overdubs on this. Obviously, some of the guitars sound pretty big for yeah, but. It still sounds true to a three-piece. So what, I, can, I can imagine them sounding pretty much like this live. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. So what did not work? I'm a little torn on some of the experimental directions. Uh, like, is it Nailbiter? It's a little bit more dissonant. You know, chord selection. Uh, a little noisier chorus. The vocal is more angsty. Um, and then there's some stuff that just sounds a bit generic like pedals and razor blades sounds a little generic i think i kind of like the chorus in that but in general it's like okay this could be almost anything it takes a little while to get to some of the hooks in the songs like i think that most of them have something but it's it's not always immediate Mm -hmm. so yeah i mean there's not a lot here to pick at it's just i guess overall it feels like it's wanting it, it's missing one ingredient, like one minor thing. You know, it leads a little bit more salt, <laughs> I guess you could say, or like a pinch of something or to really put it over the, you know, to the next level for me. I'm not quite sure 
what it is in that. Um, no, I get you. Like on pedals and razor blades is a good example. They stick to that bass line. Yeah. For like the majority one, like it's basically like three notes yeah. repeated for over and over again. And it's, it's a cool idea, but then they just kind of ride it for the whole song, which is only 340, yeah. but like still, you, you got to do something more than that. They just, they sort of distort the vocal for part of it and then they don't really do a whole lot. I think the thing that works in their disfavor is that in some of the songs, she sings at the same, like, range, in the same range as the, in the, in the verse as the chorus. So you don't mm. get that, like, uplift when you yeah, get to the chorus. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think of uh, the perfect example of that is um, when Tom Petty talked about writing Free Falling. Yeah. The original version, he didn't go up an octave when he sang the chorus. Yeah. So he just sang it at exactly the same sort of level of the and as the as the verse. Yeah. And um whoever he was working with on that said, Well, you should go up an octave. Yeah. And it totally changed the song. Yeah. Same melody. Yeah, yeah that song would suck if he didn't go up an octave. <laughs> It would just be, like, be this sort of lazy, because, like yeah, big a drone, right? Exactly. Like, it wouldn't have that like soaring feel to it, like that, like you're flying. Like, and that's the point. That's the point. None of these choruses yeah. soar, yeah, in any special way. They're all solid choruses. They a lot of them have hooks that I remember, and there's there's good lines to 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 drill into your brain with some of these songs. Yeah, but I unless they do a deliberate, quiet, loud part they she's not and they're not really building the chorus uh as big because i'm thinking about like a song like um so like give it to the dog as an example they're doing the the soft quiet thing yeah but it's really dramatic it's not like the soft quiet in a pixie song where all you're doing is just dropping the guitar out like it's at a different tempo yeah so it's it's kind of jarring when you get to that chorus even though that chorus is is solid, solid chorus. It's got a uh, interesting like, very, uh, that's where one of those spots where it gets very percussive, like it almost. I don't know if they're adding like. Well, a, there's a dog bark. Oh, is that what that is? Mm-hmm. Okay. Or they're mimicking a, little... a dog bark. Okay. Yeah, but it gets almost to this, like industrial kind of, like drive to it where you're like, oh wow, it's really. And that's what makes the chorus. You know, what I mean? it's like the repeating of that line, and then that just that rhythm. It's not what you're saying, where it's like a big soaring, like sing along, right? Vocally driven chorus. So, can be fine, but I think this band is, you know, they're dabbling in the pop alternative rock space, right? Um, and they're trying to bring some different angles to it, which I love. But I think emotionally, to really like get it to where it needs to be. Yeah. It's missing something like that. And sometimes you can do that with harmonies. You know, the second vocal can do that sometimes. Sometimes it's like what you said, like, but I'd agree. It's, it's missing that little extra bit of polish for it to be. Um, I think is as primarily satisfying as it is. <laughs> like when I listen to it, I'm like, Oh wow, that's really cool. I like this a lot. Yeah. This all, this is working, working, working. But then when I kind of step back and just like, let emotion take over it doesn't quite pull me in the same way well i found that i liked it when i listened to it with headphones and it was loud 
But if I just put it on in the background while I was working, I did not pay attention to what was going on. Yeah. yeah. Like, it needed my focus for yeah. me to catch all the stuff that was going on, or else I was completely oblivious to what was happening. And I feel yeah, like... And the, Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, the, the, that's a great way to describe it, because the records for me that are, like, just absolutely stellar, when I'm not actively listening to them, I'm still, like, physically into it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you're you're nodding your head, or, like, you're tapping your foot, or you're, like, you're just, like, you're in, invested in it, even if you're, like brain isn't processing everything that's going on yep and then when you process it you're like oh shit that's so awesome and and you know everything comes together and i think this you know there's a lot of records we reviewed where it just hits that line where you're like doesn't quite get to that point yeah i was gonna mention a, a song i had a note on was essence vanilla which yep. when you get to the chorus that song almost sounds like sleater kinney the way that she's phrasing and the way her what, what her vocal sounds like and there's there's cool stuff going on but it's almost in that case it's almost too clean like that song needed to be dirtier to fit that sound and some of the weird stuff that they do in like Nailbiter would have worked for me better in a song like Essence Vanilla but the cuz the chorus isn't really hooky it's just a, it's just a cool melody that she plays with yeah. So if you're going to do that, you almost need like a counter that's playing off, like doing the, the opposite of what you're doing, like a lead guitar or something. And it's not quite happening in that song. So I think there's a lot of interesting things happening. And I liked listening to them, but I don't necessarily like catch it until I was really focused. Yeah, and that's a, that's a good example of where the actual actually the drums are doing a lot of a lot of cool things. They're, he's using cowbell. Like how many bands in the '90s were using cowbell? Um, <laughs> yeah, and he's using a ride cymbal in, in this one section that's very like distinct and definitely cuts through, and it's like counter to the vocal part. Um, so it's a good example of like when we we're talking earlier about some of the way they ways they use a guitar and, and drums to kind of make things interesting and you know move them have things move around and kind of have some dynamic to them which which i love you know you, you kind of have to break it down to know what's going on but mm-hmm. those are the types of things that i think um grab my attention so this came out in 95 i i don't remember it making a dent at at our college radio station this would have been a record that like we got amongst our 70 to 80 records per week, you know, from all the labels, you know, the mid nineties, you're just, there were so many records coming into the record label or in the record station, record station, the radio station from record labels that we would just hand them out 10 to a person and say, go listen to 10 records, find one or two of them that are, you know, playable, find a single off of them. And I would imagine this would have a hard time just cutting through all the noise of 1995 because it's Mm -hmm. you know an unknown band they're probably i don't know if they're going to get a cmj write-up at all because a lot of times you would just go based on what was in cmj and say oh the new gen trinan record's getting written up in cmj we should be playing that no and so maybe this one got overlooked because i don't i don't there's not a lot to google i mean they have a wikipedia page 
but it's more thanks to their connections to a previous band that's I think a better better known. Yep. So, where do you land, Jay? Worthy album, better EP or decent single? I'm landing on a worthy album. I mean, I know we just picked it apart a little bit, but I I could see for a lot of folks it it really going to that next level. You know, and we're nitpicking. You know, I think this is a pretty high quality alternative pop rock record in the vein of all those bands we talked about. If you like any of those bands, you're probably going to like this record. You know, it's it's well done. There's some really good material on it and just some good performances. So I'm at a worthy record. I like Scorch. I like Back in, Back in the Bell Jar. I like Miss Dandies. I like Give It to the Dog. Overture for Beginners. Big Sugar Emotional Thing. Essence Vanilla. Blue Black, which I think is probably the closest to like maybe like a radio single. And... You know, they can do some ballads, too, like Bandit Queen Secret is um, a little quieter. It has a very Chrissy Hine kind of sounding vocal to it and tone, which I, I dig. You know, and they can go from, you know, rockers that are big and fuzzy and, and pull off, you know, something that's a little bit more, you know, pretty and emotional, too. So um, I'm at a worthy record. I'm with you. Uh, I, th- I think if this was a 10-song album, this would be a really, really solid record. And yep. I wouldn't have as much negative to say. I think maybe because it's a little bit on the longer side of 13 tracks. Yep. And they're all pretty much the same length. They're between, you know, two and a half to three and a half minutes. So I think Nailbiter is the only one that's long. It's 422. So I, I'm at a worthy record as well. And interestingly enough, our voters over a Patreon, two-thirds said worthy album and one-third better EP. So, nice, interesting, uh, you know, outlay of votes there. So we need to thank yeah. uh, Gavin for once again bringing us an interesting record that, uh, you know, great example of a record I would have never come across. Like yep. this isn't even a band like, you know, Wall go on those, um, you know, on Spotify or whatever service you use, you'll kind of go down those those rabbit holes of like this band to this band to this band to this band. I don't know how I ever end up at this band <laughs> without Gavin sending it to us. So, uh, well, the, that, on, you know, over on Spotify, they are connected to bands like throwing muses and echo belly matter rose. Okay. Uh, that's about it in terms of, or the breeders, but then uh, the, all, everybody else I don't recognize like the other 15 bands that are connected to, I don't, yeah, on Apple Music, they're not they're connected to one band, Dirt Merchants. <laughs> so if you're a big Dirt Merchants fan, you would come across this Bandit Queen. Otherwise, they are in no man's land. Yeah, yeah. So thanks, Gavin. We look forward to your uh, future picks this year. And, of course, if you are interested in a uh, pick, a 12-month pick, that is, you can join us over at Patreon, dmounion.com, digmeoutunion.com. That's where you go to uh, support the podcast, join the union, get cool merch, vote in our polls. Our 80s poll just wrapped up our first one of the year. So in February, we'll be launching our first 80s episode of the new season. And of course, if you like what you heard, please consider leaving us some positive feedback over at Apple Podcasts, no longer iTunes. For those who are unaware, there's a, a branding change. 
in terms of the name. Hope you're bookmarked that correctly now on your on your website. It's, it's a whole different app. It's a oh yes. <laughs> so confusing. Just keep the name. Why do you have to change the name? Everybody knew the name. Because it's different apps. There's a podcast app and a music app and a why whatever else. Rather than having them all on iTunes. Come on, get with it, Tim. I don't. I don't. I'm getting old. I'm getting to the. Po- I'm getting to the point where I'm so old that I'm like, not changing. I'm just getting angry at the changes. You're afraid of technology. Yep. I just yell at my microwave. Why aren't you working? No, I'll tell you a true story real quick. Uh-huh. I didn't know you could punch in the time on the microwave for about the first three years we had our microwave. Because you you, pr- you would press Wait, one, you would press one, and it would heat for one minute. You press two. It press for two minutes. Press three. Press three. so that's how I always heated everything. And then I saw Katie, and she pressed the button time, and then punched in like two forty five. And I was like, "How did you know how to do that?" <laughs> so there you go. Uh, Technology is turning against me. Still learning things every day, Jay. That's about what's life. What life is about? Learning things every day, like albums that we don't know about. Oh, for Jay, I'm Tim. We're out. We'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. Thanks for listening. To support the podcast, visit www.patreon.com forward slash dig me out and become a monthly subscriber at www.digmeoutpodcast.com where you can find links to our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages as well as our merchandise store at Zazzle.com. Don't call me a loser Those things you're saying They're just over